Hello everyone and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Kyle Higgins with us today. He is a staff physical therapist at Montecito Post-Acute Care. Kyle has four years of experience in post-acute care PT and has been a clinical instructor for three years. He's a PT and DPT. Kyle, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, and honestly, it's a pleasure to have him on. A little bit of background. Kyle is currently my clinical instructor right now in my first clinical rotation, um, and this was a really cool experience I've been having and enjoying, and so I just wanted to kind of bring him on and talk about post-acute care PT, and Kyle, would you be able to introduce yourself to the audience and give a little background on yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name's Kyle. I grew up in Mesa, um, went to undergrad at ASU, and then uh, my doctorate for PT school is at AT Still. Like JT said, been at Montecito in Mesa for the past four years and have been loving it. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, would you be able to go ahead and kind of introduce that you were there and went to Montecito? Kind of explain what got you into PT and your career path throughout. For sure. Um, so most of my classmates and my um, at AT still, we kind of all had that same upbringing of what made us get into PT school and PT um, but grew up getting injured during sports and football and baseball. And so I was just constantly in PT and outpatient and that just seeing the development and how those therapists were able to help people and able to help me, um, and thought that was like a super cool job. And even so probably 10 to 12 years old decided like, Hey, this is something that I could see myself doing. Um, and I remember around 15 years old is like my last big injury in high school. Uh, I told my PT, Hey, like this is, I think this is what I want to do for a career. And he said, cool, come back when you're 18 and I'll see if I have a job for you. And, um, so came back like week of turning 18 and he sent me over to one of his new clinics and I was a rehab tech there for about four years throughout my undergrad, um, up until I got into PT school. So perfect. Yeah. And then could you go ahead and explain, you said you were kind of interested in the ortho world outpatient. And then how did you get introduced to inpatient post-acute care? And why did you decide to make that jump? And where along your kind of PT school career and early on career, why did you make that jump right there? So going into PT school, I was 100% set on ortho. I was an ortho nut. Um, thought I was going to have my own ortho practice. Um, so it was just very driven. I understood it. I felt confident with it. Um, wasn't a huge fan of neuro in school just because it was so hard and detailed and complex and everything. Um, but once I got into the, my clinicals, I had a outpatient neuro rotation and that just like opened the world of neuro for me as far as treating. Um, and I think that was probably the biggest thing that I saw because I, I still had two or three as back when we were, still had four or eight week rotations in school. Um, so I had th two outpatient orthos, 
an outpatient neuro, and then I finished at Montecito as my last rotation. Um, so that outpatient neuro really set it up where I fell in love with helping people with strokes and brain injuries and just seeing that recovery and rehab um, compared to outpatient ortho, and it was just way more rewarding for me. Um, and that connection I was building with people and having with people. That's great. Thank you for that. Um, and something I want to kind of elaborate on that I've learned a lot about so far in my clinical rotation with you guys is about the patient population. Like while I was in undergrad, I was able to get some shadowing experience in like hospitals and then as well as like peds and the general ortho, but I never really was able to kind of get observation hours in a sniff um, in, in that post-acute care setting. And I was wondering, could you be able to explain a little bit about that patient population and what are some of the unique aspects of working with that type of setting? Yeah, um, so Montecito specifically um, is pretty complex. We have over 200 beds at the facility. Um, so with us specifically, we have a behavioral unit. Uh, we have a long-term care unit or section in our building, and then also have our acute. But with that acute, we have um, kind of that short stay where we're seeing people for a couple of weeks. Um, but we also have a respiratory unit where we have patients that are vent dependent um, or have trachs or kind of getting progressed off the vent. So it's definitely a big facility um, with a lot of cases, but I'd say as far as skilled nursing goes, um, we're seeing a lot of neuro, we're seeing a lot of um, just general health issues. Um, but I'd say probably the biggest thing is kind of neuro impairments and, and related injuries like that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because honestly, that was something that I hadn't really gotten a lot of experience in. Um, the one time that I was kind of shadowing in the hospital, that's just maybe the most similar thing to it was just in the ICU. And so I just had a very small glimpse and there at Montecito, we were able to have such a, a large variety of patients um, with uh, complexities and comorbidities that was really interesting to me. I've been learning a lot there. Um, and I wanted to kind of talk about that. What, what is such a gratifying, what is the most gratifying part of working in this type of setting in PT? And could you share with us some of your favorite stories in working in this type of setting? Yeah, sure. Um, I think the most gratifying part is like being in the trenches with people. So, I mean, we're, as far as the therapy team, um, we go through some dark phases where we have some really sad cases and difficult cases and, um, but being able to kind of hold each other accountable and build each other up as a team is, is, uh, I'm very thankful for, and is a fun part to be a part of that team. Um, as far as the gratification with patient population, I get the most reward from seeing people that are bed bound, ventilator dependent, um, don't know where they are, don't know what's going on, don't know what data is, and to be able to take them from that level, and sometimes it's a couple months, but walk them to their car and give them a big hug, and they're back to their families and back to their life. Um, we've had a lot, a lot of cool stories like that, where we've, it's just been crazy successful for these people. Perfect, yeah. And would you be able to maybe elaborate on one or two that really stood out to you that really made an impact for you in your career? Sure. Um, I th 
we've again have had a lot. I know I've probably had three or four patients with Guillain Barre that were, I mean, bed bound, vent dependent, couldn't move anything, um, couldn't sit up with like three or four people um, helping and to be able to progress them to like sitting edge of bed, standing again, walking again, building their endurance up. And then again, working on gait training, getting them walking and functional again, safe to get home. Um, so those cases are still pretty close to me and I'm still pretty close with those patients as well. I'm still, I have their number, talk to them, wish them happy birthday and catch up with them. Um, another really cool case was we had a patient that was attacked, um, with like a crowbar, some as people went to go kill him and he was the wrong person. Um, but he ended up with a severe brain injury, um, was in a coma for a while, was in a coma at Montecito for a while and came out of that. But, um, same thing, super confused, super dependent, um, took two or three people to sit him up and we worked for a couple months just working on sitting bounce, but he had horrible pusher syndrome. Um, and that, and that was pretty rough. So we ended up, he, he was there long-term care as well. Um, or transitioned to long-term care just because he still was on the vent. Um, but I remember my boss asking me one day, hey, can you go in and, and eval this guy again? Uh, the nurses are saying he's doing better. And I just busted my butt for like three months, sweating every day and trying to just sit him up. And I was like, okay, and wasn't very hopeful, but down to go do an eval and um, go in. And I'm like, hey, and he's like, hey, Kyle, what's up? And like, had, didn't talk, didn't do anything for months. And I mean, couldn't look in the eye for all directions. And, but somehow knew my name when I walked into his room. And still, I get goosebumps <laughs> thinking about it. that. was like three, three years ago. And I was like, how are you doing? He's like, I'm good, man. I want to get walking. And I was like, awesome, let's go. And so this guy who, I mean, we were probably out of therapy for a month maybe. Um, from when we discharged and, and he stayed in the facility, but again, it was just on the vent. Um, so sat him up, like one person, menaces to sit him up. Um, I was like, do you want to try standing stand and walk? And he's like, sure, let's do it. And I mean, we walked 10, 15 feet day of eval after he hasn't walked or done anything. Or, I mean, it was pretty much their family considering hospice and young guy. And, um, and he had a full recovery. So, I mean, got off the vent. Um, had a cranioplasty done later on, um, got him walking, functional, PTOT, I mean, completely independent. He's working again, driving back to his family. He had like six daughters or something crazy. And so that's really rewarding to know that I was able to be part of his recovery um, and help him get back to his family and see all of his daughter's graduations and get them married where that was something that that family like lost hope. So that was, it's probably one of the most rewarding stories I had. That is amazing. Like, yeah, I actually, I hadn't heard that story before about all, all in depth and all the details. And that's so cool. That's something that I've truly kind of going into. I didn't know what to expect, but those stories and seeing kind of personally the experiences that I've had in just these like going on seven weeks at, um, the facility has been so unique and so amazing to see people truly in such in a small, very small like, version of what they like, of their prior level of function and to witness and help them along that whole process. That must be so gratifying and so amazing to do. I mean, yeah. I, I've enjoyed it a lot more than I ever 
I ever knew I had or, or could expect. And so I'm sure being able to work there and have all these years of experience has to be so amazing. Yep. And, and with that too, it's fun just having you as a student. Um, so for me, being the ortho guy, thinking I'm going ortho, my last rotation's at Montecito. And I think that like solidified that where like outpatient neuro opened up that world of neuro to me. And then Montecito's cool because I'm still getting a mix of ortho, um, having to use my ortho skills and knowledge, but then seeing a lot of neuro. So, and then seeing that I got one over by Montecito, that's kind of like my challenge. So I, I get these students that come in and they're like ortho freaks and fully set on working outpatient ortho. And then like day one, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to try to win you over. And then 10 weeks later, they're like, let me know when you have a job opening. Like I'm, I'm fully set on acute or skilled nursing or anything neuro and, and they kind of you know, win them over most of the time. Yeah, honestly, no, like it, it, I've definitely prior to like, I'll be honest, just going into this prior to this, like clinical rotation, I was hundred percent ortho, like hundred percent through and through. And now it's definitely opened up and piqued my interest in it. I will agree with you that, yeah, it's definitely been something that I've really enjoyed and it's really you're able to use so many different parts of PT involved because these patients are so complex and so unique. That's something that was so different to me that as compared to the ortho world, ortho world, you yeah. may become good in a certain niche and that's where you can really focus on and really perfect your craft in this kind of setting. No, like you have to know everything like Jack of all trades because each patient has so many unique, like complex like issues to them that you can't just expect that they're going to be the same as, the same period, like the person that you eval before, like yeah. rarely, even just in my thing, I feel like I've been able to do the same treatment plan for somebody. Yeah. And that's also something that kind of won me over to a sniff setting is the sniff treatments and kind of that sniff schedule, sniff life compared to ortho. Um, I mean that there's nothing against ortho. I mean, you're still getting cool outcomes. You're helping people feel better. You're helping pain, mobility, all that. But that for me was more of that rewarding factor of like that sniff world. Um, and just the outcomes that you're getting with people. Yeah. And you kind of talked about it right there. And I was wondering if you could elaborate kind of that sniff, um, the hours, the, like the lifestyle, the difference between the ortho world and like the sniff, care what could you kind of explain are some big differences for people that may not be um, very very aware of what makes that unique in that kind of setting in the schedule and all of that yeah um so from my understanding and from most of my buddies that are in outpatient ortho um you have your set hours of seven to five eight to five eight to six whatever it is um you have your set treatments throughout the day that are all scheduled. So that is a bonus, but that to me is, can also be, um, kind of a negative where they're, I mean, you're so scheduled. Um, I'd say that's the nice part with the sniff is you have, uh, your treatment schedule for the day and you can see anybody at whatever time. And, um, it just kind of gives you a little more freedom with that. Um, so I'm typically working, like seven to three. Um, it's not having scheduled times. I feel it is nice. Cause I, if somebody's not feeling good, I can go back and see them later. Um, and kind of bounce my day around. And so I like kind of that freedom with uh, a sniff schedule. 
Perfect. And another thing I actually was thinking about right now that I wanted to kind of highlight, Nad, is the work that you guys have in inter interdisciplinary teams, something that is unique to that kind of a setting. Um, could you elaborate a little bit on that and why that adds to the quality of care of a patient and what your role is in that whole team? Yeah. Um, so we do, uh, so in skill nursing, you have PTOT and speech. Um, and so, and with that PTAs, OTAs as well that we're working with. Um, so with that, we, we're always bouncing ideas off each other. We're always, um, communicating as far as what needs to happen next or, um, what OT needs to see PT to be doing or helping with and vice versa. Um, so a lot of times, as far as that interdisciplinary work, we do a lot of co-treatments um, when it's appropriate. So with that, if OT needs me for something, for a treatment that we're working with, um, and they need me to support them while they're sitting at your bed or support them in standing while they're working on dressing or hygiene, ADLs, anything like that, um, that's where that justification can come in. But that's where I'm queuing on something and, and getting benefits that I'm trying to work on as far as progressing them. Um, but able to help OT at the same time with, with their goals. Um, and same thing for speech. We we don't do it as much of co-treatments, um, but I've done quite a few where it's somebody that they're trying to get swallowing better, and so they'll come in and I'll help set them up and support them and put them in like a good functional position for swallowing and, and help them with that. Perfect. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. Because that was something that yeah I hadn't worked with a lot prior to that in PT school, you talk about it a little bit, but no means are you able to know how much you rub shoulders and how much you're working with them constantly. And so that was, that was a really good thing that I learned with that. Um, another question I had kind of, kind of changing paths here with you changing from kind of always having these ortho focus to going into the more post-acute care. Did you have any mentors during your career with that change in process? Um, and what was that value if, if you had them? Um, I'd say, I definitely had mentors, so like my outpatient neuro CI that I had, I still keep in touch with. Um, if I have come across any like super weird cases or kind of get stuck in uh, the process, she is a great resource I've had. Um, and I also have had a lot of like touch, keep in touch with a lot of my ortho buddies, um, just because being in the sniff world, we're not seeing a whole lot of. Um, those ortho things. So as far as um, acute ortho or like post-op, anything like that, I'm feel comfortable with, but not having done certain things in ortho, it's good to kind of pick their mind on different interventions or different um, like manual techniques or something just to keep fresh on. Um, but with that too, so I'd say those are like my outside resources and mentors. Um, and then internally, um, the whole team is great. I mean, there are OTAs and PTAs that have had 15, 20 years of experience working in this uh, skilled nursing world. And just to have that as a resource to, I mean, they've seen it all five times more than I have. Um, and then also PTs and OTs I work with that have had years of experience and have seen it all have been a really good resource. I like that. I like that you have used different professions to also as mentors to help out with as well. I never thought about that. And I'm sure that's a lot of a big value because they've had, I mean, a lot of the OTs that we worked with, they've had quite a bit of experience in the field to be able to yeah. use them and see what they've done with it and what they've learned yep. kind of just working together with other PTs. I like that a lot. 
Yeah, I just kind of wanted to ask another additional question um, with this is, why did you decide to become a clinical instructor? And could you explain to us some of the benefits and challenges associated with being a CI? Sure. Um, so I was probably a year out of graduating, felt comfortable, felt like I, I knew what I was doing as far as um, my daily job. Um, I had AT still reach out to me and said they had a, a terminal placement that they he was dropped like two times and needed to get placed and I was wondering if they'd become I'd be comfortable taking him. Um, so I said yes, didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but give it a shot and like try to teach him. Um, he ended up being a classmate I had in undergrad. And so that was cool that like I already had a friendship, like we were study buddies. I had no idea he got into PT school even. Um, so that was probably made that um, transition as a teacher um, a little bit easier. But then once I started doing that, um, kind of built that relationship with AT Still for taking students. Um, and we have four PTs now on staff, five including our director. And so we started taking more students from AT Still then branched out to NAU, Midwestern, um, just had some Baylor students within the past year and kind of branched out from there. Perfect. Yeah. And could you kind of elaborate on maybe some of the benefits and some of the challenges that you've had um, with being a CI? Yeah. Um, so I'd say some of the benefits. So a lot of times with the code treatment, like I can't schedule with an OT on somebody that's pretty heavy and they're dependent and I need an extra set of hands. So having that extra set of hands from a student is helpful. Um, I've also seen just being able to teach and be able to like dissect what I'm doing and be able to express that in different learning style for a student um, kind of help solidify my knowledge and um, my understanding of everything that we do. Um, so I'd say those are some of the big benefits. No, those are something like I had actually talked to um, another one of my CIs that I had kind of during my didactic portion where I went once a week. And he mentioned the same thing that being a CI really helps you solidify what you're, what you're like, what you're doing so that you're not just going about it because you see everyone else doing it. You actually understand why, and you're going to know how to implement that to best help the patient. So yeah, that was really cool to see. Um, and could you kind of go ahead and maybe elaborate on some of the challenges that you've had? Yeah. Um, I would say for every student, Montecito, again, it's a monster. There's so many moving parts. Um, it's a very acute and complex building where we have a lot of sick people. Um, so I think a lot of students come in not having any idea what they're getting into. Um, and so that first week is pretty nerve wracking for everybody. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge for students is getting over those nerves. Um, and so like, even with you, you've progressed a lot in the amount of time, seven weeks that you've been. And but in the beginning, it was just that nerves. And once you got confident in your treatments, got confident in just talking with people and, and knowing like a treatment plan, um, I think once you get over that hurdle, it starts becoming more fluent and fun. And so I'd say that's probably the biggest thing is um, that nerve and anxiety that students have initially. Um, I think another challenge for me is learning styles. So I'm, I'm myself is like visual hand-on learner. So I, I gotta be able to do it. 
And I'd, I'd say most PT students I've had are that same learning style, which is easy for me. So I, I can just show them and do it and it's that easy carryover. But when it's a, a different learning style or something that I got to think a little outside of my comfort zone to help get the point across or help teach them, that becomes a challenge for me. But then again, that also just solidifies it even more on, okay, I can teach this in a different way. And then that helps me like communicate better with patients and just that different like teaching style. Yeah, no, I'm definitely a visual hands-on learner. So I feel that's been a really easy way to learn from you, but I'm sure when someone's not in the same style as you, that'd be definitely a challenge to try to help them understand and get those concepts that may be new or they haven't been able to learn as much. Um, yeah. And I was just wondering, what are some of the important qualities for like a student going on a clinical rotation to kind of this, this type of setting? What would you say some are important qualities that they could work on or that they should have and to be prepared for? Yeah, um, I'd say the biggest thing is just being willing to learn. Um, most students are motivated. They are either in the beginning of their clinicals or the end of the clinicals. And I'd say you get a little bit of that senioritis near the end of the clinical where they just like want to graduate and be done. But I'd say even every student I've had has been really great where they're motivated. They love what they're doing with me. Um, and they just want to get better. So I'd, I'd say if you have that mindset of every day you're coming to work and you want to learn more, you want to get better, um, you want to improve on the mistakes you made the day before. Um, so yeah, I mean, and that next point, like just being open to um, like criticism. So any any constructive criticism I'm giving, um, I'd say I'm pretty chill and don't get too mad. But if I, I kind of see the same mistakes over and over, like I just need to communicate that a different way or explain different ways so that I have that, that carry over with those. Um, but I see that a lot too of when I do give that constructive criticism, they're able to react and make that change. And I see that carry over with that. Um, I'd say another big thing with Montecito at least is being able to stay organized. And I'm sure that that's anywhere is having good organiza uh, organization skills. Um, but with so many moving parts, so many patients in the building, um, and then kind of being one of the like head lead PTs on the team, um, overseeing a lot of things that are happening with patients that I don't even know and helping out PTAs and OTAs and OTs, um, that's a big part of my job. But as far as students being organized with your schedule, um, having good like efficiency with documentation, good time management skills, all of that is really important. Yeah, no, that's something that I've learned a lot. And this was just because it is an inpatient facility, trying to like be organized with your time is so important because if you want to go to somebody, but you realize, oh, this person's, they're getting lunch or breakfast at a certain time, that impacts like your schedule and how your flow goes. A bunch of different things that I never really had thought about were so important to to make you be efficient. If not, yeah, like there's been days when I had like early on, especially when I was trying to learn it, I just didn't realize the schedule of things and stuff. And I was definitely inefficient with my time. I'm still obviously learning a lot about it, but that was something that I didn't really know or ex know to expect. And so that's something that I found very like important that you mentioned and highlighted right there. Yeah. I was going to say another, another big quality or just, I'd say something to keep in mind. Um, for students when they're in rotation is, I mean, it should be in the back of your mind, but I'd say treat your rotation like a job interview. I mean, it's a 10 week 
rotation or 10 week opportunity for somebody in a business to see your skills, see your communication, see how you are as a person, how you are as a PT. Um, and I'd say that's like the best job interview you can get because you're either going to nail it or you're not going to nail it. Um, and I'd say mo I have that talk with most students of like, just like keep in mind, like if you love this and we love having you, like that's something that we'll, I'll write a recommendation. If we have a spot for you on staff, um, that's something we can like recommend and get you an interview. But we've had a lot of students um, that I went over from Ortho and they, um, they're asking for a job interview and I, they're, they were great as students and, and understood everything and I felt good and would feel good with them having them in the company. Um, so yeah, but I'd say that for, for any rotation, for any uh, student PT, to treat that as a, a job interview. Yeah, no, that's, that's something that I've definitely heard from other people that I've interviewed is the clinical rotations are such a big um, springboard into where you're going to go with your career um, and, and especially that first job. So yeah, that's a really good thing to highlight. Um, something else I wanted to ask you about is kind of, could you explain some of the, the career paths that are in this type of setting in that post-acute care? Um, it's just, I kind of, what I've learned is the staff physical therapist, the head PT, the DOR. Um, could you explain that kind of those different job opportunities that are in the post-acute care setting? Just because, yeah, honestly, I really didn't know too much going into PT school about it. And so just to highlight this to anybody else that may be unaware of these different career paths that you could have. Sure. Um, so I can't speak for other skilled nursing facilities, um, but as far as with Enzyme uh, that Montecito is a part of, um, as far as a PT, you could move up and be a director of rehab. And if that was a position that was open, you can get trained for that. Um, if there's a position open for director of a building, that might be a little bit harder to get into, but um, I think being a director and of a whole building and that's a little not really in a scope of PT is completely separate with business and all that. Um, I think it's cool to have like our current director is very like PT centered and supports us or therapy centered in general. Um, I know a lot of buildings in skilled nursing facilities are very set on, nope, we, we got to make this, make this dollar amount and PT can't have this or OT can't have this. And so I think that gets hard where the director doesn't fully support the therapy team. And that therapy team is really driving the finances for the building. Um, but that, I mean, that's why we're in the business is to help people get better. And that is another big part of the business. So I'd say having the director that's a PT or an OT or anything would be, um, would be very cool. Um, as far as anything else, there's probably a lot of managerial positions like a therapy resource, um, or people that are overseeing how buildings are, um, therapy teams are working. And so that would be another good job for a PT where if you have a good understanding of what needs to happen and buildings aren't doing that, that can be something where you're helping them train. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that and highlighting that because yeah, I didn't really know too much about it. And so I think it's really valuable information just to see if yeah people are interested in this kind of setting that you can obviously progress and grow throughout, um, in post-acute care. And yeah, I just wanted to ask a couple more questions before we finished up. But what are some of the important things that a student physical therapist or young clinician could do right now um, if they are interested in getting into this type of setting? 
Um, I would say, as again, Montecito, but any skilled nursing facility, um, having a good neuro background or at least getting a neuro experience in school. Um, I was totally against neuro in school again with as far as classes go. Um, when we were told like, oh, you got to pick a neuro rotation and I picked outpatient neuro, I was scared and nervous, everything. Um, but again, that, I mean, I'd be in outpatient ortho right now if I didn't do that outpatient neuro rotation. Um, so that I'd say, don't be scared to try something that's out of your comfort zone. Um, Cause that will be, that could be your career and, and be a whole change that is super positive and something that wouldn't happen if you didn't experience that uh, rotation. Um, but as far as getting into skilled nursing, I'd say if having that neuro background um, and if just being motivated to help people at a different level than you're used to in ortho. Um, so it's uh, very emotional. Um, there are hard days and we're, I mean, not saying ortho is not hard, um, but just dealing with the complexities and the sickness of people that you're helping, um, that's definitely something to, to deal with. But that's also the other rewarding factor is to be able to help those people through those hard times and get them back to their families. Yeah, thank you for highlighting and sharing that because that's something as far as trying to help um, motivate them and that, psych that psychology aspect of PT and trying to help them get motivated to do PT is so important. I didn't like comparatively to my ortho and outpatient experiences that I've had, um, the amount of motivation that is required and kind of helping them out in the, that mental side and really like uplifting them is so important because to be completely honest, a lot of these people are going through some really hard things and they may not be super motivated to do PT that day. And so I've, I found that really valuable, even just the non PT differential skills that I've had to learned so far in PT school, but the other side of it that I hope to be able to imp like implement that in my further, in my other clinicals to become a better PT in that sense. Yeah. And I, I think with that, I've had students that are in like their first rotation of their third year um, and they'll text me or call me in their third year and say like, thank you so much for that experience. And like, just they're thankful and appreciative of that, uh, their rotation with me, um, just because of those skills that they developed. Um, I've, and I've seen that where they've been, I've helped students be successful for later rotations, having that hard rotation first, um, versus having students that had like an easier outpatient ortho uh, rotation, um, or two, and then come into me. And then that kind of is like a, a mind like blow that it's like, wow, what did I get myself into? And that's probably a little bit harder transition for those students. Um, but again, I've also had students that have done everything first and I was their last rotation and, and they were really successful too. So it kind of depends on learning style and how you adapt to difficult situations and all that. Um, I'd say another thing for young clinicians too, as far as outpatient, um, or as far as what I've seen, when I have students that come from outpatient, they're very like exercise focused and manual focused, um, which are great things. Um, in a skilled nursing setting, um, there are skilled nursing facilities that are very exercise focused. Um, skilled nursing facilities get like bad reputation for just putting people on a bike and 
doing a little bit of walking and that's it. Um, that Montecito were really driven to work on function and be very function based where, um, yes, we'll do exercises, but we're very focused on helping people with their balance, walking, getting their endurance better, um, and kind of those basic functions. So I think having that mindset of what functional interventions can I do versus what standing or sitting supine exercises can I do, um, that really makes that big difference for our patients. Yeah, that is something that I also have been learning a lot in these these first seven weeks of this clinical is that you can't just think of like a simple therapy. You have to figure out how this is functional and specifically their life because each patient is going to be different on what they need to do returning home. Um, just the simple things of like kind of their ADLs and stuff to make sure that you're specifying it to their needs, like to their home, their home setup and everything. That's something that I really hadn't taken into account so much prior um, to this rotation. So yeah, that's a great thing to highlight for that. Um, yeah, I just kind of before wrapping up, um, is there any other additional information or advice that you'd like to share with us? I think that last piece was a huge golden nugget right there, but anything else that you can think of? Um, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing is just being, I mean, if you're going into a skilled nursing rotation, um, be prepared to see everything, see the worst of the worst. Um, another thing, uh, students come into skilled nursing rotations like week one, they don't expect to be doing brief changes. And it's like, well, I'm a PT, I don't do brief changes. And, but that helps out your facility, that helps out your nurses, CNAs that are already um, working really hard to do their job. Um, so I'd say having that open mindset um, and being willing to help. When I was a student, I was like, this is gross. I'm not doing this. Like, there's no way I would work at Montecito. <laughs> and then here I am four years later, and it was definitely, I think, changing your mindset with that of like, you, I don't want to do this versus like, I'm helping somebody. So like this person is depending on me to change their brief or help them to the bathroom or, or whatever the situation. Um, so I think that mindset change for me, like that it doesn't bug me even the slightest. I'm happy to help people. Um, so yeah, I, I think if you're it's, it's definitely a mindset change being in the skilled nursing world, probably similar in the uh, hospital setting um, where even those things are something that's helping the patient and they're thankful and um, grateful for you helping them. Yeah, I know that like that was something that I wasn't prepared for, <laughs> I would say for sure. Um, and it, I, you're right. You have to get into a service minded um like that mindset because we are physical therapists and we're here to help people and, and help improve their quality of life like that, or like helping like with somebody needing to kind of just get a like transition somebody from one place to another. And even like wound caring and witnessing that whole realm. That's something we didn't really touch on here, but like, I remember it was my first or second week with you seeing the wound care. And at least in my program, I was able to see a little bit about it, but truly get into the nitty gritty of it literally was was a surreal moment. Um, it's just to kind of don't think of, oh, I'm PT. I, I just do, all, I just work on like movement of the body. Like you're helping them overall. It should be have a, a better quality of life. And that was something that I've been continuing to learn. But at first, yeah, I definitely had some apprehensions going into it on, on those things, but I've learned a lot from that. So yeah, that's a great thing to highlight as well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just wanted to like, if someone is interested in talking with you and getting more information, about the setting that you work in, what is some of the, what is the best way to contact you? 
Um, they could email me. So I don't know if you have uh, if you put on a link on the video, but my work email is khiggins at enzymeservices.net. Perfect. Yeah, and I'll make sure to add that on to the show notes as well. But yeah, thank you so much, Kyle. Um, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you for sharing everything um, that you have done with uh, skilled nursing, the skilled nursing facility with Montecito. I've really enjoyed it. And I hope everyone on this, this podcast, on this episode, um, is able to get a lot. Uh, I've learned a lot so far in these seven weeks. I know these last three weeks, I'm still going to learn a lot. But yeah, if anyone's interested in kind of the post-acute care world, I definitely recommend um, learning more, reaching out to Kyle. He's a great um, source of information. Thank you very much for having me. All right, have a good one. You too, man. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked that episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe and also leave a review. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.